Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Everyone and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland and I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're going to talk about something that uh, is a, a, an interesting topic. It's really about cable and cord cutting and what is the deal there? What's going on with cable? We're not going to dive into the technical side of how cable TV works because that's really its own episode all by itself. We're talking more about the business side. Right, right, because this is a really rapidly developing industry and and a lot of it's uh, kind of freaking out right now. Yeah, yeah. Because of the the changes that have gone on in in the way that people are consuming content with uh, greater broadband access. And actually before before we got started too far into this, we we did want to mention that yes, how stuff works is owned by Discovery Corporation, which is a uh, cable content provider. Provider. Yeah, it's a company that owns several cable channels. So uh, that that is a good point. That is something that we definitely need to get out of the way. And now that it's out of the way, in the beginning, there was broadcast TV, and it was okay. So broadcast <laughs> TV. Yeah, we're talking about um. You know, you had, you had stations that could broadcast over the air, as in they're, they are broadcasting radio waves. They would have a, a transmission antenna that would shoot out broadcast waves of TV, and you would have your little reception antenna, your little rabbit ears, and you would have, tell your, your, your uh, kid brother, no, no, it's still just snow. Turn it to the left. No, my left, not your left, until you could finally be able to watch All in the Family or something. So, um, the weird dated references that I don't even get. Anyway, the idea was that you would send this all through radio signals, but it did mean that, you know, you had a lot of different factors that could impact the quality or even the ability to receive television. It, it was pretty limited in power and scope. Yeah. You had a certain number of stations that you could receive and they were all regionally based. You know, there weren't really any national channels other than stuff that could be rebroadcast from one from one tower to another. Right. And um and, and really I mean the the thing about the electromagnetic spectrum is that it's not infinite. I mean it's it's you know it's pretty wide, but there's yeah. only so many radio channels that you can right. broadcast on. Right, exactly. And and it's different in different countries. Like in the United States, if you look at the spectrum from a transmission standpoint, you'll see that there are entire bandwidths that are set aside specifically for things like television broadcast, radio broadcast, and then there's a whole bunch of government ones. Anyway, you know, you you have to play within that and you can't play within the same space that someone else is playing with within that area or else you get uh, signal confusion. Right. So uh, there were other problems uh, with this approach. And one of them was that people who lived in remote areas often could not receive any sort of television programming, uh, which can be a problem if you want to use TV to communicate something widely, or you just want to try and reach as many potential customers if you are someone who's creating ads on this television platform. Uh, so what could you do? Well, in 1948, which this actually surprised me that it was this early, but in 1948, you actually had a few companies begin to experiment with delivering broadcast channels with cable. They were using the instead of using it as a broadcast radio signal, they were putting these signals through copper wires, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, this was just a few small communities out in uh, Oregon, Arkansas and Pennsylvania. Yeah. Pennsylvania, I think, might have even been the very first one. So 1948, you start seeing this experiment. Now, in this case, it's really the broadcast channels that are being put over the cable. It's not like 
Suddenly, everybody had HBO. Right, right. No, no. Um, and you know, the television production t- to to begin with was very small at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, then, and it was not twenty four hours of content. It was just a few shows that would air at peak times. And uh, yeah, uh, we're talking like the same sort of stuff you would be able to see if you had an antenna and could pick up the local stations. Mm-hmm. So nothing beyond that. In nineteen sixty. We started to see cable begin to enter major metropolitan area markets. So now it's no longer just a tool to get uh, television out to remote areas. Now it's an alternative to broadcast TV. But it's still at this point was mostly covering carrying the local area networks. It wasn't like, again, there weren't like these big national uh, companies that spread from coast to coast. Right. It, in fact, wouldn't be until an entire decade later in 1970 that the first uh, cable programming networks would begin to launch. Right. Now, this is where we start seeing. Now, it, we had the big broadcast companies still, like ABC, NBC, CBS. Those were those were well established. But this is when we start seeing the smaller cable companies that were independent of these big broadcast companies become an actual thing and be able to get a national reach. Now, before, if you were to create a, your own channel, you would have to be able to, to muscle in on that broadcast spectrum we were talking about. Uh, this way, you could suddenly have lots more bandwidth to play with and you could create you know, your crazy, wacky channel company. And a lot of people tried it. And uh, so 1972, one of the biggest ones debuted. That would be HBO. Uh, Home that was box Nova- office. That was November 8th. Um, and it's a, it, it was a subsidiary, still is, of, of Time Yeah, now it's Time Warner, but then sure. it was just Time Incorporated. Yep. And uh, they purchased, uh, it might sound familiar, what they would do. They would purchase rights to recent movies, and they would also purchase the right, the broadcast rights to sporting events. And that was how they made their name back in 1972. Uh, 1976 saw another interesting development in cable. That was when TBS became a superstation. TBS stands for Turner Broadcast Station. And uh, after Ted Turner, who is, um, hey, he's a neighbor of ours mm-hmm. here in Atlanta. Uh, I mean, not, not a direct neighbor. I mean, he doesn't live in my neighborhood. No, but. no, no. He could own my neighborhood several times over. Uh, his restaurant is right down the street from where I live. One of them, Ted's Montana Grill. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, Turner... He had this idea. He had this station that he had, he was producing that was mainly for the Atlanta area, the Turner Broadcast Station. And he thought, well, with cable, I could turn this local station into a national station. I could distribute this local programming across the entire United States. And this was the first time anyone had, had tried this. And it was a big success. Turner had, had seen great success with the Turner Broadcast Station and many other channels followed suit. In fact, I remember as a kid growing up, being completely flabbergasted that we were getting a station out of Chicago. And uh, it was Chicago programming, and everything was an hour off. Yeah, I remember being very confused about that as a child. I I had never seen Bozo the Clown until we got that channel, and then I became a big fan of the grand prize game. Uh, So lots of stations started experimenting with that. By 1980, cable television had exploded. In fact, that's right about when my family got cable TV would have been 1980. Um, and dozens and dozens of channels began to join this this new revolution in entertainment and, and delivery. So this is when you start getting things like uh, MTV. <clears throat> First uh, video on MTV, of course, Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles. Um, and then, um, 
after 1980, let's go forward in a full decade. Cable through this decade does really, really well. Uh, yeah, by 1990, uh, 57% of households in the U.S. are subscribed to some kind of uh, cable video service. Yeah, yeah. And keep in mind that when we're talking about cable here, we'll also later be talking about things like satellite television. Uh, cable almost becomes like a, a just kind of a, a general term. Meaning- oh, right, right. It, it's a weirdly antiquated in some ways uh, uh yeah. Umbrella term, I think, for, right. for media at this point. But yeah. We're going to be using it mostly as shorthand, meaning both cable and satellite when right. we get toward the, uh, the discussion of cord cutting. Just because saying cable and satellite over and over, it gets a little tedious. Yeah. It would make our episode even longer. Yeah. And we heard your cries, people. Uh, 2001. Actually, mostly I hear our producer cry. In 2001, the average pay TV cable monthly bill in the United States was $40. So 40 bucks oh, a month. That sounds lovely. Yeah, we'll get into why that sounds lovely in a little bit. For those of you who actually are in charge of your cable bill, you already know why $40 a month sounds lovely. Uh, from 2008 through 2011, this is a period that uh, I wanted to talk about because according to the Convergence Consulting Group, around 2.65 million people in the United States dropped cable TV entirely. They just they stopped subscribing. They canceled their subscriptions. Uh, meaning that they also didn't go to satellite. They got rid of any sort of provider from that side. And we call this cutting the cord, cord cutting where you're, you're no longer getting your entertainment through these channels or these platforms. It's so confusing. The terminology here, by the way, is pretty tough because a lot of the words we want to use mean mul- multiple things. Sure. But anyway, the idea is that they, they go mainly either to the internet for all their entertainment, or they, I don't know, go outside or something. I, I don't understand these people, honestly. But 2.65 million people. Now, that might sound like a lot, but you're talking about lots and lots and lots of customers. Now, according to Nielsen, 1.5 million customers dropped multi-channel subscriptions in 2011 alone. So if you think 2008 to 2011, 2.65 million of them dropped cable if 2011, 1.5 million of them did, that means more than half of that number dropped in 2011, which could possibly mean we're seeing a trend that is on a very rapid climb. Right, right. According to the Wall Street Journal, um, 2011 was the peak of cable subscription, uh, c- cable subscribers uh, across gotcha. the United States. And since, since then, it has been in, in even more steep decline than this initial period of broadband affecting things. Right, right. And we should point out that if you look at the numbers, if you look at the full numbers of cable subscription, which is tough to do, by the way, uh, you have to rely on a lot of different consulting groups doing their own work because uh, it's it's not easy to get all these numbers and make them meaningful. But in general, it looks like satellite has had modest growth. And by modest, I mean like 1.6% growth. Cable has suffered a minor decline, like 3.1%, and Internet-provided TV, or Internet IPTV, I should say, uh, has had a, a significant increase at 24% for over a two-year period. But while that sounds big, the numbers themselves are actually small. It's It's big growth, but it's like a small group of users into a slightly less small group of users. Right. So if you if you go from five people to 10 people, that's huge growth. That's 100 percent. Right. But if another company loses five customers when it has, you know, 28 million. Yeah. They're like they're like, what? Yeah. I did not notice that buzzing little sound in my ear. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyway, 
complicated issue. We'll get more into that in the second half. Now, in 2011, at that peak of cable subscription, when we're seeing all this stuff happen, the average pay TV cable monthly bill is now $86 per month. So in 20, 2001, it was 40 in 2011, it's 86. So, it, and to be fair, there had been a, a pretty steep inflation rate uh, over that period of time. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It's but, not. It's not just that the price has doubled or more than doubled. It's also inflation, which caused caused ha- problems. However, that's that's. A, I mean, it's you know, the inflation rate certainly didn't go up that much. Right, that, right. That was still a pretty pretty sharp yeah. increase. In 2012, the National Cable and Telecommunications Association estimated that there are. 57.9 million customers for cable video and 46.4 million for digital video. So cord cutters are about 2.5% of the entire TV viewing population. So 2.5% of your population decides to stop using the product. That's not that big a number in the grand scheme of things, or it's not that big of a percentage, I should say. Uh, but another survey found that 9% of cable company customers had canceled service within the, the, the that previous year. year. Mm-hmm. So 9% of the people they surveyed said that they had canceled their service. So it, so again, the numbers are, are kind of squiggly and complicated. In in 2012, the New York Times reported that, um, that there had been about a 3% per year decline in cable subscriptions for a while. Right. And, you know, some of that might mean that it's not just people canceling, but we'll, we'll explain that in uh, the second half. So 2013, that's this year. We're recording this in August 2013. Um, Nielsen reported that in its fourth quarter 2012 cross-platform report that there were more than 5 million households in the United States that fit its zero TV definition, which uh, that definition meant that the households got entertainment not through television, but through computers, smartphones and tablets. And that in 2007, it was closer to 2 million. So oh, wow. More yeah, than doubled. More than doubled within six years. Now, we should also point out that this is kind of a weird definition to say zero TV and that they only get their, their, uh, their entertainment through computers, smartphones and tablets because there are lots of different solutions out there, set top boxes, for example, that are not getting cable or satellite. They're getting internet content, but they, but they're streaming television. Yeah, they're streaming to a television set. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the zero TV definition takes into account those people. See, I'm one of those people. I have like, you know, I have an Xbox 360, right. which pulls in content. I've got a PlayStation 3, which pulls in content. I've got a Chromecast that pulls in content. I've got a Roku that pulls in content. Um, I got a lot of these devices, right? So, but I do watch the content on a television. So I don't know that. You know, if that definition doesn't, uh, if, if I don't fall under the zero TV definition, there may be even more people than were in this report that do not get their content through a cable or satellite provider, other than they are the ones who provide the actual pipes that get the data there, or tubes, if you prefer, since that's what the Famous internet, internet is. Famous internet tubes, yes. And in 2015, and I, th- I know you're thinking, wait, whoa, what? 2015, but it's not even 2014 yet. There, there, there is an estimate. Yes, there's a prediction. The MPD group estimates that the average pay TV cable bill in 2015 will be, and prepare yourselves for some sticker shock, $123 per month. That's average, wow. meaning that there are going to be other packages out there that are going to be significantly more than that and some that will be less than that. $123 per month. Yeah, so... 
That's our timeline, but we've got a full discussion about cord cutting coming up. And before we do that, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. Okay, so we've covered kind of the timeline of cable and what's going on with this cord cutting trend. We should stress again, this trend, if it is in fact a trend, is still in its earliest days. And in fact, there are a lot of factors that complicate the decision to just cut the cord. And it all will depend upon the individual's preferences. Like what, what do they like to watch? Cause some things, if you like certain things, you know, you need to have You're stuck that cable, with cable, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, certain sporting events or. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Sports is like the biggest one because sports companies have very complicated television deals. And, uh, anyone who's tried to follow sports and has also looked at cutting the cable or cutting the cord has found out that this can get pretty complicated. Yeah, I've, I've known a few, um, international football fans who, who, uh, soccer fans for, you know, U.S. folks, um, yeah. that, that, yeah, have I just gone like, 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 well, I can't, I can't do this because this, yeah. Yeah, because then I can't see anything. Right. Or, you know, I, I'm a casual baseball fan, but the way that baseball, uh, uh agreements work on television and cable, means that if I were to go with an online solution, like I, I subscribe to uh, Major League Baseball and get show, get uh, games through there, there's still some agreements that say that if a game was to be shown in my local area, it cannot be shown on the Internet. Right. Which means that if I don't have that access, then I don't see that game. So clearly sports is one of those things that if you're a big sports fan – there are really very few options that will satisfy you entirely. Not that there aren't options out there. There are a lot of them. They're just not going to necessarily meet your needs. Sure, yeah. So let's talk more about this whole cord cutting cable subscription problem. So cable subscription growth has kind of wobbled, like we had said. It dips a couple times. It's kind of held steady, more or less, uh, in 2013 at about uh, totally, if you're talking about pay TV subscriptions, not just cable, but pay TV subscriptions across all the providers are about at 100.8 million customers. But the number of occupied households grew. Yeah. So you get 1.25 million more households, but the actual subscription numbers stay steady. This tells you a couple of things. It tells you there's some combination of new households that are not subscribing to cable or if all 1.25 million people are subscribing to cable, that means you lost 1.25 million existing customers because your numbers stayed the same. So there's some... Either way. And there's it's more likely a combination, right? There's some people who just said, I don't need it, so I'm never going to get it. And there's some people who are like, I want it. And then some existing customers saying, I am not doing this anymore. So... The, with the numbers staying steady, that's, you know, everyone wants to see growth when they're in a business. They want growth year over year and they want that rate of growth to grow in, in, of course, turn. Yeah. So, um, now according to the multimedia research group, there are about 84.5 million pay TV subscribers in the United States in 2012. And cable accounts for 48.7% of that number. Satellite was another 40.4%. And then you have IPTV which was 10.9%. Now, like we said, out of all of those three, IPTV had the biggest amount of growth, but it was also the, the smallest, smallest number of with. customers, right? Yeah. So really, you know, a significant growth for IPTV would be insignificant for cable or satellite, is what we're saying, because just because of the numbers game, and boy, aren't percentages fun. <laughs> um, and we don't really know a lot about people who just don't 
ever subscribe to cable. Like there, there's a generation now that's entering into their first, uh, living away from home. Sure. Like that mm-hmm. era. So the millennials and younger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Ergen, who's the chairman and co-founder of the Dish Network at, um, the Dive into Media Conference, which is a big executive kind of thing that mm-hmm. happens every year in 2013 was talking about, um, you know, the fact that, that college kids don't subscribe to cable packages when they're in college um, right. because they've got broadband at school and cable is expensive. And then they're getting out into maybe the workforce or maybe they're having trouble and they're continu- and they're just never going to buy it. <laughs> he joked there's a reason that tobacco companies give away free cigarettes at colleges. Wow. What a great joke. Boy, I, I sure wish I had said something like that to be recorded for all time on the Internet. He said sarcastically. Um, yeah, so we don't really know how many people don't subscribe because, I mean, these these are numbers that don't tend to get counted in surveys yeah, it's, and it's, reports. Yet, yet again, it's difficult to record something not happening. But if it does mean that there are more and more people who are never becoming subscribers, either to cable or IPTV or satellite or whatever, and they're just relying on other services, things like the streaming services we'll talk about in our companion piece, mm-hmm. uh, or just, you know, anything that they can get online – if if that's a growing trend, that's bad news for providers. Oh, right, especially because um over this period of time, broadband subscriptions, you know, people who are who are purchasing plans to get broadband into their home are on the rise. Yeah, yeah, the cable television portion of it is in decline. So, so there is some worry within the cable industry, particularly in the cable providers and satellite providers, that what they are going to end up being will be dumb, what they call dumb pipes. Meaning that they'll just, they'll just provide that connection, that internet connection. So you'll still subscribe to have the internet connection. You'll still subscribe for a monthly plan on that. But that would be what the cable companies could turn into if you're looking well into the future and assuming that these trends are one, real, and two, going to continue. Right. Which, by the way, is still really early. And there are a lot of things that cable companies can do to either uh, address this issue or at least make it last longer. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk about a little bit of that. But uh, we don't know what's gonna, how it's going to turn out. So I know a lot of people kind of have this foregone conclusion that uh, cable companies are, are on the way out. It's just a matter of time. Well, people for the past four years have been saying it is the end of television as we know it. Right. And that gets complicated. I mean, because when you're talking about this whole system going away, it changes everything about the entertainment industry and the television industry. And the way that all of these contracts are drawn up and where the money goes and who gets how much of it. Right. And whether or not we ever get another awesome, well-produced television series or if everything has to become something on the cheap because suddenly the money that would be going into the system and providing the ability to produce this content suddenly goes away. Um, So let's talk a little bit about where this, this whole this whole process comes from like what is going on with cable what is going on with the content that comes to you the viewer when you turn on your television and what is it that's driving the changes for people to make these choices to cut the cord now uh let's talk about the different groups involved first of all when you're talking about a television show like a specific show Mm -hmm. um I don't know. I'll pick Supernatural because I haven't talked about it in like 14 or 15 episodes. You haven't. So Supernatural, you've got the company that actually makes the show, the content creators. All right. They have entered into a deal with a particular channel, 
whatever channel it is that runs Supernatural, which I honestly don't know because I get it on. I believe it's the CW. I think it's the CW. Yeah. Yeah. So the CW. So you've got the, the show that then has the relationship with the CW. The CW is paying essentially to have this show on its channel. Then you've got the cable company. So in this case, I'll talk about Comcast. It, right? it is a service provider. Yeah. Now, it is It is what sends the tubes into your home. Right. So Comcast says, hey, I want to have the CW as part of my, my library of channels. Package. Yeah, the right. package of channels that I offer my subscribers. And so then uh, the cable provider will pay a certain amount. Carriage fees usually is what we call this to carry that channel into its package. And then you've got the actual customer, the person on the other end who's paying a subscription to have access to all of this. Where this gets really complicated is when you start talking about big, big companies that own lots and lots of channels. So, for example, Viacom owns many different channels, MTV, Nickelodeon, MTV2, mm-hmm. MTV17, etc. Or, et or Disney's entire ABC. ESPN, mm-hmm. Disney Channel. Sure. Yeah. So you've got these different uh, giant companies that own multiple channels. And what they'll do is they'll do something called bundling, where they bundle these channels together in a single package and say, when the cable company comes up to them and say, to Disney, for example, and says, hey, Disney, we want ESPN. We have to have ESPN in our package because otherwise no one's going to buy it. Disney can say, all right, but you also have to take ABC Family and you have to take Disney Channel and you have to you have to pay for all of those or you don't get ESPN. They all get bundled together. It's all or nothing. Yeah. Right. So this sort of arrangement allows big, big companies to do things like not only get money for channels that might be a hard sell otherwise. Mm-hmm. Which which can be great for the, the content creators yeah, at the it, end of the day. And it can be great for the audience, too. Sure. It may be that there's a very small audience that tunes into that channel, but mm-hmm. they may find the programming on that channel to be exactly what they want. Or if you ever hit that station randomly in the 972 channels that right. you happen to have, you might find something new that you like. Exactly. So... It's not, we're not saying that the channels that are generally speaking, you know, that, that perform at a lower rate are necessarily worse. They're not. Right. They're not, there's nothing about that that makes them better or worse than any it's, other it, channel. It it's is just popularity. In, it is an individual decision. Yeah. But which, based on the viewer. Which becomes a non-individual decision because of the way that these cable companies are bundling these packages. Right. So you've got these big bundles. And so a, a cable, company, a cable provider, not the not the mega corporations that own all the channels, but a company like Comcast takes a look and says, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and pay for this big bundle of channels because I want the this one or two channels that are really popular for my subscribers. I'll pass the cost on to the subscribers so that will help determine how much the monthly bill is. And then you as a subscriber get your monthly bill and you think, I don't even watch half these channels or even... 80% of these channels, I never watch any of them. Why am I paying for all these channels? Well, the reason you're paying is because these mega companies that own multiple channels are saying this is the only way we're going to play. So that's a complicated business side of the cable industry. Now, we'll talk about reasons why people want to cut cords. Part of it we've just addressed, this idea of I don't want to pay for I don't for even it. watch that. Yeah, yeah. Why, why sh- am I paying for it? Why don't I just pay for the things I like? Why don't you create a cable plan where I can pick specifically which channels I like, and I will pay that. And if you make the bill so that it makes sense compared to how many channels I want, like you might say, I want one local channel, I want Comedy Central, I want Sci-Fi, and I want uh, Discovery. And then you're like, those are the channels I want, and that's it. 
well, then, you know, you would expect the bill to be different than if you were to get a big package with 500 channels. The problem is because of this bundle deal, there's no incentive really for the big companies to do this. I mean, it would mean sure. that it would mean that other channels would suffer. And like we said, there are there's plenty of good programming out there that you just might not be interested in. It's just not your thing. But if they are not bundled with the big channels that get a lot of... Then they might fail and they might not be able to to fund the creation of these programs. Right. And then if you're talking about uh, a drop in the amount of revenue that goes to the, the channels themselves, the people who are funding the creation of this content, then you don't have money to produce the content. Right. Exactly. So it's really complicated. You can't just say, let's go a la carte. Because if we were to try that, let's say that tomorrow everyone decided that a la carte is the way to go, you would rapidly see a lot of shows die off or at least have their production values cut severely. It would it would be an extinction level event in the industry. It would be a huge shakeup. It would be crazy. But I. Yeah, it would be tough. I mean, it would be as as a consumer. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that sounds like it makes the most sense to me. Right. As a consumer, personally. as a consumer, you can totally see the benefit to you from from the side of. I get what I pay for. From the creative and corporate standpoint, of course I understand why yeah. they why they want to, you know, c- continue creating what they're creating. Right. And another another reason a lot of people are looking at cord cutting is this concept of time shifting. Now, time shifting is something it means that you're watching a program when you want to as opposed to when the program airs. Uh right, right. The uh the DVR is becoming a, you know, big enough uh, storage capacity wise, not in size. Um yeah. and uh Well, yeah. I mean, like this, and, be, and be cheap enough. To, right. This this started with the VCR, obviously, but mm-hmm. then the DVR made it much easier and now was incorporated into a lot of cable companies and satellite companies uh equipment where you can have DVRs as part of the actual cable box. Right. But beyond that, there are now services out there where you can get access to more than just the last episode or the last three episodes. You might be able to get... Assuming that you remembered to hit record and that nothing wiggy happened in right, your DVR right. and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, with these other services, you can see the last like five seasons of a show. And it's that kind of freedom that also gets people saying, why do I need to have a cable subscription if I have access to all of this. Now, the answer to that, I would argue, is that you want access to the most recent material, which is not always possible online. And uh, if you are a bun- around a bunch of chatterboxes like I am all the time, something's going to get spoiled. And seriously, people, you have to wait until Tuesday morning before you can talk about Breaking Bad, because I watch that episode the day after it airs. All right, that's just me. Okay, so anyway... The time shift and the the idea of this a la carte are the two big things that a lot of people really, really want. They also want accessibility across multiple devices. That's the other big thing. Sure, sure. Because you're not always you're not always in front of your television. You want to be able to watch it on your laptop or on your iPad or et cetera. cetera. Right. Right. So getting back to that whole bundling thing, not everybody uh, is a big fan of that, including some of the cable providers. For example, Cablevision filed a lawsuit against Viacom. Because Cablevision was objecting to being forced to pay for channels that very few subscribers ever watched. But they were being forced to pay for for them because Viacom said, if you want MTV and Nickelodeon, then you also have to take all these other channels. And uh, so Cablevision has filed a lawsuit. That lawsuit is still that was filed in early 2013. So that's, that's not been resolved yet as of the recording of this podcast. So, uh, yeah, this is something that we're still starting to see un- unravel even within the industry itself beyond just the consumer level where you've got customers saying, I'm tired of having this experience of paying for stuff I don't use. 
So, you know, we we've kind of wrapped up. That's that's sort of where we are the today. The state of the of the industry. Yeah, so like I said, there there are certain things in the cable industry that I certainly find very frustrating as a consumer. I don't necessarily think that all cable companies are trying something really innovative. A lot of them are just kind of attempting to force the way things were into a new uh a new world and it doesn't it's it's like trying to fit a square a square peg in a round hole. But that being said, I know that there are a lot of companies out there that are looking into different ways of creating content and distributing content, uh, some of which are creating, uh, you know, backing some of the streaming services. Sure. But a, lo- a lot of indi- individual channels will also um, air their shows online streaming on, yep. you know, like like MTV's site has a lot of MTV's shows. Right, right. And, and you know, again, as a consumer, that can get a little frustrating because I know a lot of consumers just want to be able to go to one place and get all the stuff that they want. I don't think that world is ever going to be not Not here. in the near future. Anyway. Yeah. It's all, I think it's always going to be that you're going to have to pick and choose which services you subscribe to in order to get specific types of material. There's going to be a lot of overlap but there's also going to be some uh, some areas outside that Venn diagram that you are not going to be able to access unless you subscribe to multiple services so that wraps up this discussion guys let us know what you think are you big cable people what do you enjoy tell us we're curious to know and if you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff let us know that too you can drop us a line on our email our address is let's see it's uh, techstuff at discovery.com oh right Fantastic. Or you can drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle is TechStuffHSWLauren, and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 